Um, that'd be great. Um, lots of things going on as y'all are getting settled here uh, in, uh, tonight and in the, in the days to come. Uh, it'll be mentioned again at the end, but I know there's a, a, big, a big ladies uh, meeting tonight for Sojourn Ladies uh, right here at 7 p.m. So go ahead and, and plant that seed. All you ladies are here. You don't have to be a sojourner uh, to come, uh, but just come, uh, 7 p.m. right here. Uh, Karen Burke is uh, going to be doing some teaching. Ashley Smith, one of our friends from another great church, is uh, going to be over here leading worship uh, as well. So uh, don't miss that. Um, Uh, we, uh, we're, we're looking at a, at a section here uh, in Scripture in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 um, that, that talks about, again, life in a fallen world and how riches fit into this fallenness that, that we're in. And uh, riches, and so riches is more than just money. It has to do with your, your storehouses and what you have, um, but it all boils back down to money. And money's an important concept. Uh, Jesus talked about money a lot. Uh, and I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag yet, but money's important um, because of what it represents. And so we're going to come back to that in just a few minutes and uh, just ask God to do a great work in us and how we understand uh, what he wants us to do with money and riches and wealth and, and, and what, what he has enabled us to do uh, with finances. And it's going to be tailor-suited to you. You don't have to be somebody else. You don't have to make um, more money than you're supposed to. You don't have to make less money than you're supposed to. You just need to find out who God has made you to be, what abilities, and uh, to jump in there. So let's pray. God bless this time. Um, I proclaim, Lord, that your word is anointed. The Bible is anointed, God. And and so we don't have to to worry about that a bit. So speak through your word. Uh, I do ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just rush like a mighty river through a culvert. God, may I just be that culvert that, that brings the water to the people that are here to my friends, Lord. And I pray you, you wash my own soul, that you, you bring refreshment to me, that you teach and transform me, Lord, uh, in the middle of this, God. But for my friends in this service and in the next, God, that you do an amazing work in our lives, God. And free us. Free us. You're not going to put us into more bondage. You're going to free us, Lord, and understanding some certain things about money and riches. Um, Press us forward in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. It's going to be verses 8 through 20. And so let's check out the first couple of verses there. Verse 8. If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter, for the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. But this is gain for, for a land in every way, a king committed to cultivated fields. All right? Now, uh, let me just hit verse 9 really quick, and then we're going we're to come back to, to verse 8. Um, verse 9 is a puzzling verse that m- most of the scholars out there say, you know what, we're really not sure what it means. Um, let me just read it to you again. This is gain for a land in every way, a king committed to cultivated fields. And it's kind of right in the middle of this talk about, about riches, and so it has to do with something that would be rich, but really not sure exactly what it means. And I, I want you to know that, that it doesn't take away from the story. It doesn't take away from the authenticity of the Bible. In fact, if anything, uh, especially if you are, uh, used to be a skeptic or, you've got, or you're a skeptic or have friends that are skeptics, um, to know that occasionally there's, there's going to be something that's like, you know what, we're not exactly sure what 
what the point of that was, but it was, it was spoken. And, and maybe, uh, maybe they understood when it was first spoken there, um, but, but that's completely okay. Now, verse, uh, verse 8 talks about um, injustice, injustice, the violation of justice and righteousness. Um, there's a couple of scriptures that talk to us about what injustice is, what it looks like uh, in the world. Leviticus 19, verse 15 says, you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. So, talking about not being impartial. I mean, not being partial. Um, don't, um, don't lean just to the poor. Don't lean just to the rich. And it's kind of interesting that it mentions the poor first because in James it mentions um, having deference to those that are rich. And that's what you would think first is people... Uh, they're going to do whatever it takes uh, to win the hearts of somebody who's rich and, and wealthy. Uh, at the same time, we, we just tend to be people because we're religious in our hearts that we swing from one extreme to the other. And so you can go from somebody and say, well, I'm not going to just take care of just take care of the great or show partiality there to where it's like to where then you just you, um, you ignore people that have resources and you only only deal with those that are poor. And God's just saying, look, uh, both, of those, both of those are wrong extremes. You don't have to, doesn't have to be uh, a both and, but the genius, excuse me, the either or, but the genius of the both and. Um, Deuteronomy 24, 17 says this, you shall not pervert the justice due to the sojourner or to the fatherless or take a widow's garment in pledge. All right, so start speaking again to the, to the, uh, the widow, to those that are, that are helpless. Um, uh, violation of, of justice. Um, you see, we see injustice and greed being connected. Injustice and greed are connected. Um, and, and here's why, what I think the reason why for that is, is because if you're, if you're a greedy person, that means that you're only out to accumulate more for you and either you don't care about others or you may even put stumbling blocks in other people's past it, uh, paths for them to be able to be provided for the the problem with that or the reason behind that is because you don't trust others you only trust yourself or you only trust those that think just like you those that then they're going to bring value to you or bring value to your bottom bottom line it says in here um, that there were uh, that there there were their leaders and uh, one of them had uh, violations of, of injustice, and part of it was because someone was watching him. He had a higher-up that was watching him. But, but not only that guy, he, that guy didn't live in isolation, but there was somebody here. And so you got the pressure of a bunch of selfish men or selfish women that when we press in into one another's lives and we bring that selfishness, when we bring that greed, it just breeds distrust. When you're busy looking out for you, you don't have time to look out for others. Does that, does that make sense? If, if all you're doing is looking out for you and guarding what you have, and you're just looking inward to yourself, you don't have the sight or the perspective to look out for anyone else. One of the greatest things that you can do, though, is to bless others. When you go out of your way to help somebody, you actually reveal yourself as being someone who's worthy of trust. See, grace breeds trust. 
Greed breeds distrust. So ask yourself, I mean, where are you at right now? What kind of seeds are you planting or what kind of harvest are you getting in your life? Um, If you're a person of grace, then people trust you. If, If you look around you and say, why don't people trust me? It's probably because you're not living a life of grace. It may, it may not be a life of greed necessarily, or it may not be a financial greed, but there is some kind of a greed because greed is, again, a thing where you're turned inward upon yourself. One of the greatest uh, definitions I've ever heard for sin was Martin Luther when he said, sin is man turned inward upon himself. And so really uh, that greed fits right in there. It's like I, I'm looking out for no one else. I only want for me, and the strange thing is, is it's, a, it's a curse. Greed is a curse, or inwardness is a curse, because the more you look in, the more you look in, the more you look in, it's like all you do is you pull out a microscope, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. The things that may not be that horrible in, your, in, in, in others' lives or in your life, you pull it out, and that's all you see, and so you just stay, turn inward upon yourself. Verse 10 says this, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has the owner but to see them with his eyes? Sleep, excuse me, sweet is the sleep of the laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. You see that first verse there? He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. You guys, if you want, repeat this after me. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. You've just, you've just told a truth there. First Timothy 6 speaks to this, 9 through 10. But those who desire to be rich fall into a temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. All right? It's, I want us to unpack money and riches and even desire and, and being a driven person because for some of you, God wants you rich. Now, I'm not talking prosperity theology. Prosperity theology says God wants everybody rich. God doesn't want everybody rich with finances. But there's some that God has, he's specifically either preparing you or he's already prepared you to be a person that's able to, to either receive a lot of wealth, that's a very small amount of people where you didn't work for it, but uh, through, through gifts, either becoming a person of an organization that, that just, man, you're able to be a highway for, for money to be funneled through, or even uh, in, uh, in, in inheritances that may come from family or others uh, that God um, pushes, uh, pushes lots of finances through. Now, by the way, we're, we're looking at the next two to three decades to see some of the some of the largest amount of wealth to be passed through the generations that are alive right now because um, the largest amount of people uh, the, the boomers um, their generation the largest generation are people that have already started retiring some of them have started dying and so you got a large pot of people that are going to be dying in, in the next couple of decades giving and passing that on to a smaller amount of people. And so there's some of you that 
even at the level of inheritance or at the level of your leaders in a church, your leaders of a nonprofit organization, and one of your calling is to be able to funnel, to find funds and for it to be funneled into a cause, um, it's going to be pretty amazing uh, what, what takes place. And my, my hope is that we get so kingdom-minded and so mission-minded that we just say, God, what's it going to take to get these funds and to funnel it into your kingdom? We'll talk about that uh, more in just a little while. But um, people misunderstand money. Um, money is a thing. I mean, if, I, if I've got a dollar, if I've got a, a gold coin, it actually does exist. But really, money is just a representative. Uh, money represents time and effort is what it is. It represents the long hours that you've spent teaching kids or leading a project or, or selling lemonade in your, lim- in your neighborhood or crunching analytics or mowing yards or compiling data or making the hard decisions. That's what money represents. Um, it's, I mean, you, you, if you work, if you're out in, in the, the marketplace or if, if you have a job that you get paid for, um, then you trade time for dollars. You trade your life for it. And so your blood, your sweat, and your tears, actually, that time actually becomes, becomes money. Um, and I'm not deifying money at all. I'm saying it's important for you to know that it actually represents you. Money represents you. The money that you get, it represents you. Now, this is key. It's very important for you to get this because um, you're to use it wisely. Because when you spend it, you're actually voting you're voting. You're saying, I value this. You say, I believe in this when you spend money. Um, I, I mean, if you just barely make ends meet and, and you can pay your rent, your utilities, your food, your transportation, and you just barely get by, then you're applying value to existence. You're pl- applying value to, I'm not going to take from society, but I'm going to at least subsist. I'm at least going to take care of myself, take care of my family. That's, that's a great value. Um, if you go out and take, uh, if your parents take your kids to get ice cream, then you're, you're applying value to that time and to that, to that uh, ice cream that you buy. If you, uh, if you gamble it away or if you use it to buy porn, you're saying, that's what I value. You're, you're using your life toward that end. You're voting with your money. Whatever it is, you spend your money. You say, I value this the most. And you may say, well, that's not true today. Well, it is true. Because if it wasn't true, that's not where you'd, you'd be placing it. But um, let, me, let me paint another picture for you as well. Um, money, money is also like fuel. Uh, and here's what I mean. Health-conscious people will encourage you to view food as fuel, Right? Anybody in here? You, you know that. You've heard that. You've posted that. You tweeted that. Food is fuel. Um, don't, don't get overwhelmed. Don't get emotionally attached to food. Don't get emotionally attached to its taste. Um, I mean, in, in, enjoy it. In, enjoy food, you know, but don't be emotionally attached to it. Uh, they'll t- tell you your body is a machine and food is just your fuel. Eat what you need. Enjoy it, but be disciplined about it. Because here's what happens. When you put too much fuel in your body, your body starts storing the fuel. It, tra- it transforms it, and it makes a fanny pack for you, quite literally, right? Uh, so it, it, it transforms that fuel into, into something that, that could be used 
later on. It makes it into reserves. And that's okay if you live on the tundra, you know, and if, and I mean, it's for saving up for the winter months and you need a bunch of extra fuel on your body uh, to be able to make it through. But for most of us, if, if we just get, get overly fat, it just impedes your health. It impedes good energy. It impedes even the ability to rest, right? See, money's like that too. If you hoard it, it becomes, it becomes moral and economic fat in your life. You hear me? If you hoard money, it becomes economic fat in your life. If you hoard it, it takes you off mission, and you lose health. And even as we see in verse 12, you lose sleep. Verse 12 said, sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. As money is, it's important as a means for mission. I mean, that's, that's what it is. I mean, use money. Seriously, use it. Just like you would use, you would use if, you're, if you're changing the oil, you know, in your car, you, you use an oil wrench, right? You know, you, you use it. There's nothing evil. There's nothing great about that oil wrench. It's just very useful to be able to change, change the oil in, in your car. But, I mean, when, when, when it goes beyond just being provision or protection for you, when money becomes the mean instead of the mission, then you lose the real mission. When money becomes the means not the mi- instead of the mission, you lose your real mission. It, it's kind of like this. It'd be like, um, um, I mean, man, we, have, we must have a thousand 5Ks in, in Huntsville. And I was talking with uh, um, uh, a lady who uh, runs... Uh, Arthritis Foundation over here, and they've got a big, um, a big race coming up soon, and uh, it's going to be great. Uh, I'm excited for these guys and the funds that it'll raise for their organization. But it'd be like somebody signing up for that, paying their 25 bucks, and getting other people, you know, to sponsor them and do these things. But then they start the race out, they start the 5K out, and then they just kind of go off their own little way, you know, and and just go. It's like a, all the crowd they go this way, and they. They go right instead of going left. And then later on, some friends fi- find them because they never make it to the finish line. It's like, well, um, where'd, where'd you go? So, well, I, I, didn't, really, I didn't really like the, the path. And so I decided to go my own way. You know? Now, actually, internally, I'm that kind of a guy. I don't like just following the crowds. I like doing things differently, and it hinders me a lot of times. But, but bear with me. The point of it was to finish that race, right? That's the purpose. Especially others that are kind of investing in him uh, to, to finish this race and to do well. And for, for them to go off, to, to, let's just say the dude says, I just love running. I love running so much that I didn't want to go that way. I just wanted to keep going and just keep running. It's like, well, dude, you missed the mission. The mission was to run and to finish the race and to do it with the group of people that were with you. People were counting on you. Great that you love running. Run any other day. But the purpose was to finish. The pursuit of money does the same thing to us. We commit to the means instead of the mission. We'll, we'll get focused in on, on it. We'll get focused in on the tool rather than 
the job that the tool is supposed to do. And, and we inevitably, we separate ourselves from the community that's on the race. And perhaps we replace them with an alternate community that values the pursuit of money, the use of the tool over the mission, or even the true community that's there. So when, when the means is your end, you will have no real rest or peace. You won't. As hard as we try, you're not going to find it. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, is what Solomon said here. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. As much as, as, much as we want to say, I can find my meaning in money or in the pursuit of it, God says, you're not. And it's good. Because money makes a horrible God. And God loves you. And for some, I know there's got to be somebody in here today that it's like you, you're locked in. It's like if I can just get to that next pay scale, I'll mean something. You know, if I, ugh, if I can just, man, if I can just get out of this 85 Honda Civic and step up to a Lexus or something, I mean, I, I'll, people will think I'm, I matter. Bullpucky. It's not the way it goes. God, God knows that that is not what's going to bring meaning in your life. Now, as a contrast, it's said here in the Bible that there's sweet sleep for a faithful laborer. So, really, I mean, work hard, be loyal to Jesus, and compassionate to others, and, and you'll have peace, real peace. May God help us. Verse 13. There's a grievous evil that I've seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is the father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. And he came from his mother's womb, and he shall go again. And, excuse me. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again. Naked as he came, and he shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This is also a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness, in much vexation and sickness and anger. So it's just describe the man or the woman that, that they live their life thinking that the, the means or the de- is the destiny. Thinking that, that riches and the collection of stuff is somehow going to help them to matter to themselves or to matter to others. And it's just an empty pursuit. Darkness, much vexation, sickness, anger. You guys, have you been there? Have you gotten to that place in your life, in your, in your career, or, or in the transition of careers? It's like, man, it just, wow. And, and I mean, I, I want you to know, it's, it's, I mean, every job that you have, I mean, if it's, if it's a real job, I mean, it's gonna, it's, you're going to have all kinds of difficulties, all kinds of challenges. It's not supposed to be comfortable. It's not supposed to be easy or everybody do it, whatever it is that you do, Right? So, I mean, we're not talking about, man, just, just be laissez-faire and man, life is just so easy. That's not what I'm talking about. It's going to be hard. It's a fallen world that we're in. But you can have real joy in a fallen world. Somebody said that. You can have real joy in a fallen world. You can. Absolutely. So, so this is the story. This little part, it's telling the story about a businessman. And, and it's a story that transcends thousands of years because it could have been written today rather than thousands of years ago. It says in that first little part in verse 13, 
riches were kept by their owner to his what? Did you guys see it? That's not there. To his hurt. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. He hoarded it, and it hurt him. I mean, so what, what is hoarding? We're going to use, use that word. I mean, some of you all have probably seen that series, uh, uh, Hoarders. And man, I've watched like one of them and about threw up. And uh, um, it's just disgusting. But um, hoarding, hoarding is this. Hoarding is when we keep things to ourselves and do not allow them to affect others. We don't allow them to touch others. We don't allow it to be back in the stream of, uh, of help and assistance to others. So it's like you pull it out. You know, it's like, you know, when, when the economy gets bad and, and spending goes down, which I don't think that's a bad thing. I think savings is probably a pretty good thing or paying off debt's a pretty good thing. But, but our country talks about, man, when that happens and people pull, pull the money back out of the flow in the economy, how it, how it affects things. Well, in, in life's economy, when we pull resources, uh, when, we pull, when we pull things, we pull opportunities out from being able to be used by others and just saying, no, 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 this is just, this is just mine. Not realizing that, that it, it's affecting you only and in a bad way, whereas it probably could affect 10 people if you're using it properly. Um, this goes contrary to the good life of one anothering. I mean, one of the best summary statements of a one another type of a lifestyle which contrasts to this is it refers to the life of Jesus as our model. John 13, 34 says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I've loved you. You also are to love one another. And that's, big, that's a big statement right there. And, and really, what it's saying is, look, the way you're supposed to live your life, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be a giver. You're supposed to share. You're supposed to make sacrifices for others. Not hoarding and, and pulling away opportunity, not even pulling yourself away, but giving yourself, allowing yourself to be right in the stream of community. So strangely enough, when we're generous with our lives and with our stuff, we get more back from what is most valuable, and that's relationships. Does that make sense? When we're generous, with our, both uh, with ourselves and with our stuff, then what that ends up buying back for us is is what's best, what's the most important, that's relationships. The more we protect our stuff, the more we devalue people. But the more we value people, the more we share our stuff. So we, we've got this man who, he's looking for meaning to come from his riches. And then it says he makes a bad investment. And here, here in the ESV it says he may, has a bad venture. Now this dude needs some counsel from Solomon who wrote some other things down in his Proverbs. Proverbs 23, verse 4 to 5. Uh, and the NIV says this, says, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show, show restraint. Cast but a glance at riches and they're gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the, to the sky like an eagle. All right, so if you, if you mesh that, this whole thing of like, look, I mean, you are, you're losing your life and you're also losing your wife or losing your children, you're, you're losing your lifestyle. You're losing, well, you may be gaining a lifestyle, you're losing the life that you could have as a result of trying to get stuff. And he's just like, look, man, it's going to be gone. And you marry that with, with what he's already been saying here, that, that, that look, it's, 
the, the, time, the time's coming very soon where it's, it's all, all going to be gone. I mean, you came into this world with nothing. You're going to leave with nothing. Nothing at all. Uh, honestly, I believe that sometimes our, our loss of revenue is a blessing of God. It doesn't feel like it to me at the time. But he wants, he wants to separate us from that God. This bad venture and wearing yourself out to, writ, to be rich. Uh, it just reminds me of our, our first few years of, of marriage. Uh, young, we got married at 21 and 20 years old. Uh, right before our senior year in, in college. And, and um, we just, you know, we, we made no money. I mean, just jack. It was just, it was, it was bad. I mean, we, we lived our first year on about um, 90 bucks a week, you know, uh, at that time. And uh, but we were okay. We, we loved it. Um, but, but we knew we didn't have any money, you know. And so if we wanted to do anything, you had to create some other money. So we had all these little, little ventures that we did. Um, they weren't really investments. We didn't have anything to invest. But we had ventures that we did, and, and uh, most of them were bad. <laughs> um, I mean, we, I, remember, I remember soldering circuit boards because, you know, they send, send them to you, and, man, if you could do them fast enough, man, you could make like 50 bucks an hour, you know. And I think I, I made a couple of them and did the calculations and said, well, I think I made about 30 cents an hour on that. So that wasn't, a, that wasn't the way to go. We did multi-level marketing. Uh, we worked for a company sorting and stuffing mailers at one point. Um, did customer service, uh, sold satellite dish- dishes. Uh, we even did a chain letter once. Did anybody in here you'd admit that you've been in, on a chain letter? All right, I'm the only one. No, I'm not. I know I'm not. Let, let, but here's the thing, they're illegal, you know? And, uh, and it's like I kind of knew that uh, at the time. And I remember the, the, the one that we did, it was like a list, a list of 10 people and send everybody a dollar in the mail and, and then they just put you on the list and you kind of go through the list and at about nine degrees of separation, you should have like, you know, $30 million. And uh, um, uh, I think we, we might have made about $30 um, and, until we uh, got a letter from the Postmaster General saying that we needed to cease and desist. So don't try that at home uh, or in your P.O. box because um, they it's frowned upon and illegal and it just doesn't work um, but but there was things that we did to try to to try to create additional income and and we did well at it. and there was other ventures that we went out um, and some of them were literally we, we wanted we wanted to get rich we wanted to make millions of dollars um, and there were times in which we had we had our, on our refrigerator we had all the things we wanted to buy. We cut out all these pictures, and the, 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 the fast cars and the yacht and the, the big house, and, and we couldn't even afford the big sandwich, you know. But, we, you know, we had all these things up there and of the things we wanted to do, and that's what was motivating us. It's like this will drive you, it will drive you, and it will help you to succeed. And it does. It will drive you. It will drive you crazy. It will drive you mad. It'll drive you to anger with one another if the means become the end, if the means become the mission. Naked I came, naked I'll leave. Honestly, I think that statement there is, it's not a curse. Um, It's a blessing. It, It means that you don't have to be trapped by the pursuit of money. The, The pressures and the responsibilities 
that are placed upon you in this life, or they're taken off at the end of life. You can't take, not only can you can't take the stuff with you, you can't even take the responsibilities and the pressures with you. That's, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. All you need to focus on is to be a steward of what God gives you. You know, again, what is money? Money is just representative of your time and your effort. What are your time and effort representative of? The gifts that God has given you, the, the abilities that He's given you, your passion, your desires, and, and what you'll do with them. And, and with some of you, I mean, your, your desires and your passions, you're never going to make much money from it. You're never going to. And so you, you come to a, you have a conundrum. You, it'll, you come to this point in the road in your life that's like, I realize I'm never going to have the lifestyle my parents had or that my brother's already got because of his path uh, in life. If I follow this path, guess what? I mean, if God has given that to you and, and you're, you're never going to own the new car, you're never going to have the big house and all that, follow Jesus. Follow the passions that he's placing within your life and, and do it. And and, and it's, we're going to come to it in a, in a minute that at the end you can, you can sleep. You can sleep well. Because you're just like, all right, God, I don't, I don't have to be responsible for what you place on everybody else. And I don't have to be envious of it either. I can just have joy. Our problem is, is that we, have, we look around us. We look right and left. And, 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 and usually we just actually we usually just look to the right, I guess. We just look to, to the people that have more than us. It's like, ah, God, what, what's, your, what's the matter with you? Why, don't, why can't I have more than all that? And, um, I, I want you to know, man, I, I'm not against money, and God's not against money. Because money is not an immoral thing. Money just represents you. Money is just what allows you to walk forward in what the paths that God has for you. And so my challenge for you is just, through Scripture and through reading the Bible, through reading the Bible, reading through prayer and through community, that 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 you, and, and through commun- uh, people that are in your life to speak in your life to find out what is the bullseye? How has God really made me? And 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 you'll you'll start seeing a picture come together of like you know this is who you are and these are your abilities and and be realistic to be able to know all right what what could life and lifestyle look like within that and be free, be free to pursue it with all your might and then you don't have to look down on those that make less than you because they're they're not as hard a worker as you you don't have to envy the people that make more or have more than you because it's like okay god i'm being faithful what you've given me with my my abilities verse 18 behold i've behold what i've seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him for this is his lot. Guys, listen, that, that's it. When we, when we get there, and, and you, don't get, you can't just arrive there today. You've got to spend a ton of time in the Bible. You've got to spend a ton of time in prayer, a lot of time worshiping God, a lot of time, like, hand on the wallet, hand on the purse, checkbook, again, just saying, all right, God, speak to me. I mean, who, who is, who, how am I being directed? Is money telling me the way I'm supposed to live my life? Am I telling the money what it's supposed to do, or is God telling the money? And telling me what I'm supposed to do. 
It comes to a thing of faith and of trust. And it's like, well, who, who do I really trust? And honestly, we, we tend to say, well, I just trust my heart. I, I trust my heart. And, and, and I, it's not the money. And, and I don't know what God wants, but I don't know if he really wants what's best for me. But I'm telling you, as we see, you're broken in a fallen world. And so your heart is messed up. And it's going to lead you astray. And you know it because it has so many times. So stop trusting your heart and trust God. And when you take what he's given you, the abilities primarily, because again, money, who cares about the money? The money's a representative of your abilities and your time pressing them forward. Then you can, you can press forward in your life following the Lord then. Verse 19, everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. All right? This is the gift of God. Most of you are called to the marketplace. You're called to jobs. You're not going to be paid to be a full-time minister is what that means, the vast majority of you. Okay? And so if you're a stay-at-home mom or, or uh, um, uh, whatnot. I mean, you fall in the category of, again, just being, you're in marketplace. Marketplace somehow, somehow takes, takes care of you, somehow. And um, so I want you to know that that means if you're a Christian, you're a minister in the marketplace. Some of y'all have thought through this. Some of you have not. Some of y'all need to take months to unpack this of what it means to have a ministry in the marketplace. Because we're, it's, not, it's not just stuff that comes out of our mouth. We believe this. If you're a Christian, you're a minister. If you're a Christian, you're a missionary. It doesn't matter who pays your paycheck. You're a missionary. You're a minister. And your, your place to be is in the marketplace. Like for me, again, I mean, I told you a little bit about some of the jobs. Because, I mean, I, I was uh, I, I was called to ministry at 17. I, I believe that, and I surrendered to it, even though I didn't know what it meant at that time. But then through college and then post-college, I pursued marketplace because I saw the great credibility that everybody else has. If you're, not a, if you're not paid to be a Christian, you've got a better credibility with people to say, I follow Jesus, and I don't get paid for it. And they're like, oh, well, I want to know what you know. And, and pursuing even just saying, man, if I, made, if I make millions of dollars... What can be done for the glory of Jesus? And what can be done for the kingdom of God if, if I did this? And I, and I was starting to pursue some of those things. And, and ultimately, through pursuing those things, God said, that's, that's not in your knapsack, Dave. That's not what I've put, put within you. It's a great and glorious thing to create wealth and, and to put it into the kingdom of God. But that's not what I've called you to be. I've called you, Dave, to be a coach to everybody else. That's what a pastor is to be to equip the saints for the work of ministry, their ministry, wherever you are. Think about it. Think about the people that are around you. It's not, it's not so much about your task. It has so much more to do with the people that are there. All right? And the task is important too. It doesn't matter how mundane it is. It's important. You can give God great glory for it. God's given each one of you abilities. The majority have the ability to take care of themselves and to assist with those that are around, around them. If, if you're disabled and you can't take care of yourself, then God wants others to be blessed by assisting you. For some of you, you maybe can only take care of you. And if that's the case, do it. Don't be a drain on society. Take care of yourself. Make sure that, that you're being self-sustaining. 
if you can take care of a family of five, do it. If you have the ability to create a business that takes care of 50 or 100 people, do it. If you've got the ability to affect 1,000 people in the way they live their lives, do it. Just don't envy somebody else's calling. Just what, whatever it is God's placed in your hand. And so for many of y'all, that's, that's what coming out of today is going to mean is to either a confirmation of like, God, this is, I mean, I, I'm never, I'm never going to be over here. and I'm probably not going to be over here, but I know you placed me here, and I just want to be faithful. I just want to be faithful, God. Some of you will go to your deathbed with a net worth of zero. Guess what? That's good if you're following God's design for your life because you came here with nothing, you're going to leave here with nothing. And that's actually better than going to your deathbed owing tons of money anyway, which that's why a lot of people, people leave this life. But some of you, some of you God will create wealth through. Just remember, wealth is not the mission. Money is not the the mission. It's the means. If God calls you to it, to create wealth, or, and, and most of you aren't going to be called to create wealth, but God's going to sustain you and call you to live a generous life. And so you need to be a part, all of us need to be a part of planting churches. Every, every one of us planting, planting churches. You may not be, I mean, you're, you're planting a church right here. We've, we've plant, planted, we're planting other churches in the Acts 29 network, and, and others as God gives us, gives us ability. Um, be a part of supporting ministries that translate the Bible into languages that don't have the Bible in it. Invest in your own church. Invest in your own city. Look around you and say, God, what do you want me to do? Because you can't do everything, can you? All right? If God gives you, if God gives you, it's like, all right, you got $100 extra a month to invest somewhere outside of you. Still a hundred bucks. If God said, here's ten thousand dollars extra a month for you to invest somewhere outside of you, that ten thousand dollars, as much as it may sound to you, is not going to go everywhere. You say, God, where is it supposed to go? Where what am I supposed to do with what with what you've given me? Guys, I want you to know that if you press into God's bullseye of design for you, you will live your lives in verse 20. Look at this real quick. For he will, not remember, he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with, do you see it? With what? Joy in his heart. That's, that's the conclusion in all this. Verse 12 talked about, man, if we're following God and his design, we'll have sweet sleep. And here it says, we'll have a sweet, a short memory of the brokenness. And we'll have joy. Because if we're just driven, driven, driven to, to do all these things and to accumulate and to hoard and I'll feel better if I do, you'll never have it. You'll never have the peace that you want. But man, if you're just faith, just be faithful. Just be faithful with what God's placed within you, your abilities. And you'll have great, great peace. God, uh, um, help us as we...